Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Well, if you didn't catch yet what's going on, my name is Brooke Thomas. Um, I am a missionary in Brazil. Um, grew up in this church, obviously, with all of you wonderful people. Um, I have been in Brazil the last three years, got evacuated due to COVID, um, and was hoping it would be, you know, three weeks. That's literally what I thought. Two, three weeks, I'll be back, good to go, just keep moving on. Um, that was two months ago. I bought a plane ticket for June 24th, which is like coming up, super excited, super pumped. I uh, got a phone call last week from the airline uh, that they're canceling all of their routes to Brazil until probably August. They weren't sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and it's just because of borders closing. Uh, their border was closed to Americans. Our border is now closed to Brazilians. There's not enough people traveling for airlines to continue flying planes back and forth. Um, so once borders open up enough that people are traveling again, uh, hopefully we'll be able to head back. But until then, I'll be here with you guys, which is equally awesome. Um, if you have, there's my heart, there's my mom's heart, your guys' hearts, it all kind of balances out, being equal playing field for all of us. It's a good situation. Um, if you have any questions about my ministry, about, I know a lot of you are supporting me financially every month, even while I've been here, which just blows my mind every month. But thank you. I so appreciate it. Um, when I get back, I will be, uh, I'm working towards kind of a new direction. I know I shared that here before, but, um, and online, if you follow any of that stuff, of becoming a, a pastor, which is different from being a missionary, but um, I'll be kind of interning with that church there in Brazil. So we've, we've opened a church. Uh, they are still running in the middle of COVID and corona, and you could be praying for them as they've been figuring out um, online services and now coming back to having services in person. Um, but I'll get to finish up my, my schooling through the seminary and um, interning with the pastors there over the next who knows how long. Um, you can ask, and I'll tell you a year or two, and, you know, about six months, that'll probably change. So um, your gift is really helping me when you support me financially and with the love offering today to focus on doing that, to live there, um, to study, to be able to pay for my classes, to be able to pay for for um, visas and, and life in another country and support and bless the pastors there, the church there, anything else that needs to be taken care of um, without me having to get a job there. So I really do appreciate it. Um, and again, just blows my mind, your guys' generosity and faithfulness and, and love. Um, let's pray to get started, shall we? God, thank you for our time together. Uh, thank you for our time together with you, Lord. Um, we are so grateful to be able to be in this building together, um, to be able to smile at each other at least, um, say some words of encouragement, hear each other's voices, Lord, um, and we are anxious for the day that we can all be together with our family that's still, our, our church family that's still um, 
participating through the online part, um, that we can all be together and be able to hug each other and hold each other in and get back to that normal that we love to be able to do, Lord. But right now, aside from the wonderfulness of being together, we are so grateful that we're able to be in your presence, Lord. Be in your presence here together in this place. And we ask that you would open our ears to hear your voice, um, that you would open the scriptures for our understanding, Lord, um, and that you would bless our time in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we, God gave me this, the, the scripture for this morning a little over a week ago, um, and it's been wonderful to be able to study it, I've certainly gotten a lot out of it, but got to late last night, <laughs> saw you with my parents, and I still felt like I wasn't really sure what God wanted to say to you. This scripture is so um, filled with, with important things, um, but it wasn't until even later last night and this morning that I really felt like I knew what God was wanting to say to you. Um, so I asked for your prayers this morning that I would do this justice, because I do know that it's something that God wants to speak to all of our hearts in this time, um, and ask you to be praying for me, for yourselves, that if I mess this up, that you will still hear <laughs> what God has like, No, he has something for you from this text. We're going to be leaning into Titus. Um, I'm going to talk for a while before we actually read the scriptures. We are going to read a part of Titus chapter 2. Um, but before we actually read it, I want to explain a little bit about who Titus is um, and what's going on in this part of the Bible. Uh, if you're opening up your Bible, it's a letter, it's very short, um, after First and Second Timothy, before Philemon and Hebrews, and it's a letter from Paul to Titus. This is the only part of this correspondence that we have, is just this letter from Paul to Titus. Um, so... Just so you know who Titus is, um, Titus was one of Paul's disciples, and he was a leader in this early church missionary movement to go all over what was then the known world, all over the Roman Empire, telling people about Jesus, about his death, his resurrection, about the good news of salvation to all people, and to leave these organized groups that could continue to meet together, continue to worship together, continue to learn together. And while Paul and Titus were traveling and ministering together, they went to an island called Crete. It was supposed to be just kind of passing through, going from one place to another, but they stopped and had some time on Crete to evangelize, to minister, to tell people about Jesus. But when it came time for them to leave, they felt like they had a good group of people who had received the word, who had received the truth, but they weren't mature enough in their faith to be able to continue the ministry in their, in their area, in their community. So Paul left Titus behind on this island to continue organizing, continue training, continue preaching, and then Titus was going to meet Paul later on in their journey. I don't know how Titus felt about this. <laughs> We don't have anything from Titus's point of view. I imagine I would be very overwhelmed of just, here's an island. Tell people about Jesus. Continue to organize and train their leaders. Um, however Titus might have been feeling, he was definitely prepared 
because he had been traveling with Paul. He had seen Paul do this same thing in other regions. They had traveled together, spent time together. They had probably had time to talk about strategy and priorities and red flags and things to be aware of while they're doing this ministry. Um, And I want you to identify with Titus. Um, He knew the reality of life, that things don't always go to plan, how we want them to. Uh, And he's going into this new experience. So think about the headspace that he's kind of in. If you've ever gone into a job or a new relationship or a new situation, and you have those feelings of you're prepared, but you're definitely not prepared, and you have enough knowledge to kind of go with the flow, but also don't know what is actually going to happen, what to expect from this new situation. He'd had this boss, this person around that he could kind of depend on, and all of a sudden, he's the boss, and he's in charge, and he's responsible and uh, accountable for what's going to happen in this new ministry. So that's a situation that Titus was in in the moment these letters were being exchanged. Um, but we also need to know who Titus was. Unlike Paul or Peter or even Jesus, Titus didn't grow up in a Jewish household. He didn't grow up reading the law or the our Old Testament. He grew up in just a normal Greek-Roman household that probably had idols. They worshipped just about everything. If you think of all the Greek gods that we know about today, they're worshipping the sun, the moon, and the stars, the emperor, every pagan um, god and idol that they had at the time. And then Paul showed up in his town, and he heard Paul's preaching, and the Holy Spirit stirred in his spirit, and he accepted the wonderful gift of forgiveness um, from God and a relationship with God and believed, had faith in Jesus and in all these things that, that Paul was preaching. So ministry for Titus is very personal. He knew the power of preaching, of the spoken word, anointed by the Spirit to transform lives, families, communities. It had happened to him, and Jesus became his Lord and Savior, his Savior from death, from sin, from brokenness, from all of his wounds, but also Lord of his life. He completely surrendered himself, his life, his plans to God. So when God called him to leave everything he knew and journey and travel with Paul, he obeyed. So he knows who God is. He has intimate understanding of God's character, of God's love, and how it's transformed his life. And now he's traveled with Paul and seen God do the same thing in every region they've gone through, every culture, every city, every person that has accepted this same goodness of God, the same forgiveness, the same presence of God in their lives has gone through the same transformation. Titus, however... Being Gentile, that means he wasn't Jewish. Um, He went straight from being something else to being Christian. He didn't have that Jewishness built into his his culture or his personality or his um, religious background. means he wasn't circumcised. For centuries, circumcision was the physical mark of God's chosen people. So it separated them from everyone else. 
and it meant that they belonged to God. And a lot of the church leaders in the early Christian church got real upset when they saw Titus going around preaching and teaching the holy word of God without being a part of God's chosen people. Their argument was simple. It was logical. Someone who accepts Jesus' sacrifice should become a full citizen of the kingdom of God. But Paul wasn't willing to compromise the truth, and neither was Titus. They knew that all that they needed to be a part of God's family was faith in Jesus, and they weren't willing to let anyone convince them or talk them out of that or make any compromises whatsoever. Um, They stood their ground because the only thing that separates us, the only thing that makes any difference in our lives is our faith that God loves us so much that he conquered death, forgives us our sins, and desires to have a relationship with us where we are growing in knowing him and we are growing in opening up our hearts to surrendering every part of ourselves to God, that he can enter into every area of our lives, purify us, transform us, and make us into his image. So Titus is this person who converted to Christianity from pagan religion, and instead of being bullied into changing to be like everyone else in this club, he continued trusting in God. Because his faith wasn't an extraordinary faith, but he had this faith in an extraordinary God who completely transforms lives when we have faith in him. He's here on the island of Crete, preaching the great news of the gospel to the Jews and to the non-Jews, training their leaders in the truth and organizing their churches. After some time, he sends a report to Paul, letting Paul know how things are going. We don't have that report. We don't know what it said, but we know things were not going well. I don't know how Titus responded to that, if he was asking for help, if he was expressing his frustrations, if he was disappointed in himself, if he was accusing Paul, probably not from the response that we get back from Paul. But he had to have had all these mixed feelings of he knew what God's word should be doing in these communities, and it, people were not letting it happen. And it wasn't because that his teaching was poor or his interpersonal communication wasn't up to par, that he wasn't able to connect with the people. It was because of gossip, everyone's favorite thing. (laughs) And a gossip that was so ferocious that it closed off people's hearts to Titus. It was the same thing that he'd been dealing with at the beginning of his ministry. These were Jews and non-Jews that he was ministering to, And the Jews didn't want a leader who had been a Gentile. They wanted a Jewish leader, like Paul, like the pastors that they had in their own churches. And they were upset that this uncircumcised Gentile would try to teach them things. Obviously, circumcision isn't something that's just written across your forehead. This isn't something that you knew when you just met Titus. It was something that they were telling each other had that pleasure in the scandal of, did you hear where he's from? Do you know who he is? This isn't a person that we want to be listening to. And it was stopping God's movement in their communities. It was stopping God's power to free them from themselves, which is what we all want. Um, 
Paul responds back to Titus, and in this short letter, we see all these pieces of what's going on. Paul is not happy about the situation, but he's encouraging Titus to keep doing what he's supposed to do, to keep going, rebuke these people who are who are so focused on physical things that, that they're not letting God's spirit move in them, to rebuke them, um, to keep preaching the truth, and to have patience. He's supposed to be choosing new leaders. Wait and choose the ones that are really passionate about God, that really understand the truth and will be able to speak the truth to others. Um, in the middle of this book, there's one short section where Paul stops his instructions. He's telling Titus, do this, do this, do this, say this, don't say this. And he stops and gives this kind of discourse on doctrine, on what we believe, on who God is. Um, and it's a couple powerful sentences. I want us to read it together um, and really think about why this message was import- important for Titus. In the midst of all the instructions of don't worry about this, focus more on this, make sure you don't forget to do this. What is the importance of these truths for Titus's situation? And it's in Titus chapter 2, um, starting in verse 11. So if you find Titus, again, it's after 1 Timothy, find chapter 2, uh, verse, starting in verse 11 through verse 14, and we're going to stand for the reading of God's word. Bless you. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodly and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. A people that are his very own. It's strange. This section of the letter has nothing to do with instructions, nothing practical for Titus and his situation. Like maybe Paul thought that he needed to remember this, to teach it, or he just had this sudden urge to spiel some doctrine towards Titus. But I think that this is actually very intentional and that Paul saw through Titus's frustrations and what he thought were his problems to what Titus really needed. Um, I don't know how closely you guys have been keeping track or been hearing updates from my parents, my parents' friends, the last six years of my life. Um, and I hope you haven't been counting this because I haven't, but... It would be interesting to keep track of how many times the plan has changed, how many times things have been completely upended, how many times I've stood here and told you, this is what I'm going to do. And then, you know, a matter of three weeks later, having to send out an email, never mind. (laughs) Um, Austin, my brother and I sat down recently to design a new prayer card for all of you to kind of update your fridges. You know that thing that has the picture, pray for Brooke, da-da-da-da-da. Um, 
I hope that none of you have the first one I sent out. It was the only one that I ever designed, and I loved it. I thought it was great. If you still have it, that would be really cool. Um, but it says, pray for Brooke and her ministry in Chile. And I have never been to Chile, so if it's still on your fridge, that would be a little weird. Um, but I was living in Meridian. I was, I was still months away from going to Chile and got the phone call. Would you be interested in not going to Chile and going to Argentina instead? They said, yes. And they said, you have nine days. We need you here in nine days. <laughs> okay. Um, and that has happened so many times. And every time I think I kind of know where I'm going, I kind of know where our ministry is going, I kind of know where God's leading me, um, it changes and it always changes for the better, even when it doesn't seem like it at first. I have always been where I needed to be. I've always been with the people I needed to be with. Um, so when I got the other phone call two weeks ago, 10 days ago, of um, you're going to be in States two months longer than you expected, uh, it's hard. And it feels like I've lost something, even though it's something, nothing, something that I had, but something that I had the expectation of. Um, I don't know what Titus's expectations were or how he felt or how he dealt with the loss of his imagination. Our imagination goes of this going to be this great church and this great ministry and God's going to do all these great things. And when we have those moments of loss, we're pretty good problem solvers and, okay, we'll just pick up pieces, make the best of it, um, get to go to a bridal shower, get to go to a wedding that I didn't think I was going to be able to go to, and look at the positive side and just keep moving forward. Um, and I remember um, the last prayer card that you probably all have now says Brasilia. Um, I was supposed to go to Brasilia, Brazil, which is the capital of Brazil, and... I thought I was going to stay there for years and had all this stuff planned. I was going to train all these missionaries, train all these teams. Um, and I was here three years ago um, getting ready to go. And Jay Durning stopped me after church one day and just chatting, normal conversation, asked, how are you feeling? You ready? Feel prepared? Ready to go? Ready for whatever happens next? I knew what I was going to do. I was excited, and I had to say, no, I don't feel ready at all. I don't feel prepared at all for whatever is coming next. And he said, good. Then I think you're probably on the right track. And that has stayed with me. Of, I don't think I've ever done anything in ministry that I knew how to do. Ever. <laughs> and I felt like that before I became a missionary, becoming a teacher. Every classroom I walked into, I didn't know how to do what I was supposed to do. I had the curriculum, I had some experience, but I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing with each kid that was walking into my classroom. Um, and I want to be careful to say things like, because people try to comfort you when you feel like you're kind of lost, 
and, you know, God has a reason, and you'll find out why God did it this way. And I think we know that that's not how God works all the time. God didn't send a pandemic or close down transportation between countries so that I could go to Cameron's wedding. God loves me, but that's not really how God works. And I'm excited to go to Cameron's wedding. But it's not necessarily because God planned all of these things that things happen in our lives. And pandemics happen. And there's things, decisions that need to be made in embassies and between presidents that doesn't have anything to do with my ministry or my life. But God uses everything for our good. And when we feel lost, God uses everything for our good to make us a people that are his very own. Because we might have an idea of what that looks like, what the perfect child of God looks like, what the perfect, if I were in my position, in my community, in my family, what it would look like to be the perfect Christian, be the perfect spouse and parent and sibling. But God knows We have an idea. God knows what it means for us to be his very own. And I don't, I know this isn't the time for a pep talk, but I really feel like this is, that's what Paul was doing here, was giving Titus this pep talk of, you're not there for you. You're not there for me as Paul, as your leader, as your mentor. You're there because God has appeared and he offers salvation to all the world, and you didn't redeem yourself. Jesus Christ redeemed you, and he is coming back, and he is purifying you in the meantime, and he's making you a person of his very own. He's making Crete, an island, a community, a country of God's very own. And I'm so glad I got to be here last week. Um, And that's really when God told me to study this passage this week was because I don't go, because I'm not here all the time, um, to be a part of that first step of grieving and mourning with you because you have lost something very important to our church family, losing, not just losing, not just losing a pastor, losing a pastor is a big deal, but also losing in the Purcells, losing friends, Losing mentors and leaders and people who know you and people who know the community and people who have this vision and the people that we as a church family love and who love us and uh, those relationships that we have that are spiritual friendships are so different from a work relationship or a regular friendship because it's someone who's helping you grow closer to God. And losing anything that's been helping you grow closer to God is personally and spiritually difficult, plus all the emotion of losing friends, of saying goodbye to people who have been so important for nine years in our church family. And that grieving process takes time. But in all of that, in all of the feelings of loss of what we had planned or what we were used to, God wants you to know, wants us to know that we are not lost. As people, as a family, as a church, we are not lost. And 
that when we try to jump in to fix the problem, to step up and fill the gap and just going to get through this until the next pastor, until the next interim, until the next activity, until we can do our normal activities again because of COVID, to make sure that we're not charting a course. That's what you do when you get lost, right? Okay, well, where's the next point? How do we get there? Straight line. Let's go to where we think we're supposed to go. Let's remember that God knows where that next point is, and it might not be what we think or we expect because we don't know how to make ourselves God's people. God knows what he wants this church to be and become, um, and he knows what he wants each of us to be and become. Um, we need to make sure that these very basic, almost simple, almost, but not super important principles need to be what's charting our course as we're going after God. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. This is our calling. Like Titus, we have an opportunity to multiply the blessing that we've received. Not just to my family or the people who I know or who are like me, but to all people. Um, I invite you to turn to Micah 6, 8 and highlight it and mark it and memorize it. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. There is a lot of justice to be done. There is a lot of mercy to be extended. There is a lot of humble walking alongside God to be done. And that's all stuff that God is doing in and through you with a pastor, with a leader, without a pastor, without a leader, in and through you to um, act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Our hope is in Jesus and his coming. Our hope and the reason that we continue moving forward is in Jesus, not in my agenda or my five-year plan or my part of this ministry, but in Jesus. And it is this Jesus who has redeemed us, remembering that we didn't redeem ourselves, and we didn't bring ourselves to this point, and we're not going to get ourselves to the next point. But Jesus has redeemed us from our sin and our death and brought us into abundant life. And it's the same Jesus who purifies us, remembering that this is a process that even after we've been walking with Jesus for decades, we still have gunk. <laughs> we still have new wounds. We have new doubts and new worries that get to be purified by God's holy hand and brought to a new place of healing. We now get to be the mentors to others that the Purcells were to us. Or if you're, 
whoever it is that is mentoring you, you get to do that and share that with other people. Continue to meet together in person, on Zoom, on whatever, but continue to meet together and meditate on God's word, encourage each other so that we can continue this process that we call sanctification, but that is a process of becoming more who we are, becoming less of our carnal selves that just is so selfish and so self-sufficient and so self-centered and becoming these people who are dependent and free in our dependence on God, free to live, to smile in the middle of the chaos, to enjoy every moment because we know that we have our hope on Christ so that we are eager to do what is good. And that that eagerness doesn't come from my desire to see a result, to see a program happen, to make someone else change, but that it's just a response. That we are so full of the truth, that we are so full of God's love, that we are eager to love God back, that we are eager to love our neighbor, and that that consumes our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we're doing all of it out of love. God. When I was praying over this um, passage, I trust that Titus got out of these four verses exactly what he needed, that reminder of who he is, of why he is where he is, of why he does what he does. Because it's so freeing to us when we remember that it's all because of Jesus. It's all for Jesus. And that strength that we need, that he is the source. That he is this fountain overflowing of everything that we need. And that when we feel like we have suffered great losses, that we would never feel lost ourselves that we would know that God is carrying us through and that he's working all things for our good, working all things for our growth and for our maturity and for his desires for us as individuals and as a community. And may we allow God to do his will because he knows what he wants this church to become, that we would take this time to pray and ask God to prepare our hearts for what is next. Because we've seen so many great things in our fam- our church family and in our city. And we don't know what God has next. We don't know where God's going to take us. Uh, every place that I've been, every person that I've been able to partner with or spend time with, some of them have been very difficult. <laughs> And those are the people who made me grow the most, who made me seek God, seek truth, seek patience, seek self-control. We don't want to be surrounded by people who agree with us on everything, who agree with us about who God is, about um, all of these super important things, that these would be the things that are what we agree on. But everything else are things that we get to talk about and things that we get to grow in and things that get to develop the direction that we're moving in. That this would be a time of prayer, of asking God to prepare our hearts for the pastor that he has 
prepared for this church, that God is preparing that person, and that we would become more and more unified, not because we all look the same, not because we all have some sort of physical identifying mark, but because we all have that spiritual mark of faith in Jesus Christ that is uniting us and continuing to push us on further and further. Um, I'm going to pray for us, for our church, um, for our church board, and um, ask you to pray and listen over what it is out of this that you that God knows that you need to hear. Maybe not that you want to hear, but that God knows that you need to hear. And see your situations with new eyes of how God is working in everything for your good and your growth. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your wisdom. God, we thank you for your love that is so patient, that is so long-suffering because we recognize that that's the love that we need, Lord, that your love will not compromise, that your love will not do what makes us happy or what will make us feel better, but your love is what makes us grow, what sets us free, what purifies us, what draws us closer to you, God. We ask that you would give us wisdom in coming months, Lord, that we as individuals would seek after your truth, your most basic principles, Lord, that we wouldn't let anything distract us from our salvation in you, our faith in you, and everything that you have done for us, God. That we wouldn't spend so much time thinking about what we have done for you, but that we would meditate on all the great good things that you have done for us, Lord. That that would bring us to a place of humility and openness and sincerity, waiting to see what it is the next thing that you have for us, God. We pray that you would keep us out of the way, that you would do your will, knowing that your will is going to make us a people of your very own, God. We know that we already are, but it's not something that we need to achieve, but something that you've given us by your grace, that we are your children, and we anxiously await the new things that you're going to do in us individually, Lord, that we can bring that to this place, bring all the love that you've been pouring into our lives, and pour that love out on each other, that this place would continue to be a place of celebration, of worship, of you, God, not of ourselves or of any person, God, but a celebration of you, that you prepare our hearts for the next pastoral staff that you're going to be bringing into this place, God, not just a senior pastor, but uh, worship and youth and children's leaders, God, that we would be unified on the essential principles of your truth, God, and be willing to listen and love despite our differences on other things, Lord. That we would continue to pray for each other, to battle for each other in prayer, Lord. 
to lift each other up, to encourage each other, God, and to become your unified, holy people. In Jesus' name, amen.